Well, good morning again. We started a new series last week uh, titled Five Things God Uses to Grow Your Faith, All Our Faith. Uh, today is, we're digging in the top, first one of the five, practical teaching, probably better to say practical biblical teaching. Okay, I want to start off with, we did a, like we did last week, and uh, I need your participation, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, and we want you to use your imagination again. So if you don't even believe there's a God, just pretend, all right? So let's pretend three things. We're going to pretend that with absolute 100% certainty, we believe there is a God, okay? So there's this, as my neighbor Wally would say, a higher power. <clears throat> but it's not just a higher power. He is a personal God. So he knows you and I. He knows us by name. We know we exist. So that's the second part of our 100% imagination or belief. The third part is not only does he know us, we can have a relationship with him. And when we pray or talk to him, he listens and he talks back. Now imagine, if you believe that 100%, with 100% certainty, confidence, we would say trust or faith, how would your life be different? And I thought, wow, you know what? I think the best word for me would be security. Can you imagine the security you would have? Uh, when bad things happen, wow, I wish these bad things weren't happening, but God's got this, as we would say. He's in control. He's all powerful. He knows what's best for me. He's not going to let anything, you know, happen to me that, that isn't for, for my good. Um, it's going to be all right. And then when the good things happen, Wow, God, thank you for these blessings. I, I, I know you're going to help me not kind of get off track because sometimes we kind of forget God when things are going good, but I don't want to do that, God. So uh, I've got complete f- trust in you, confidence that I'm going to stay faithful because you're faithful. When you're facing temptations. Wow, this is a tough temptation, God, but I got 100% trust that you're going to help me get through this without giving in etc. Or maybe it's a challenge you're facing. God, I don't know how I can do this. You know, I don't know if I can, you know, parenting. Wow, that's an impossible job, right? How, how can I do this? But I got complete, 100% confidence, God, with your help, I'll, I'll be the parent you want me to be, uh, face this challenge, etc., etc. Another word you might use is peace. I'd have complete, absolute peace. Even if things around me are crazy, I'd be at peace. And maybe you've known somebody like that. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was your grandparent. Maybe it was an aunt, uncle. Maybe it was a friend, somebody at church. They just had this complete, absolute trust in God. And when you encounter these people, it's frustrating. It's irritating. It's difficult. And you tend to think, wait a minute, you you just seem to be kind of clueless. Don't don't you see what's going on? Don't you see these two lousy political candidates we're going to have? Don't you see the finances, you know, the stock market? Uh, Don't you see what's going on at work? What's going on in your finances? What's going on? Don't you see? And the response is, yeah, but I'm sorry it's upsetting you, but it's not upsetting me. God's got this. 
And even though it's a little irritating, frustrating, sometimes you want to pull your hair out, you, you just want to give them more information. If I give them more information, they, they won't be like that. <clears throat> but then on the other hand, it's, a, it's attractive, isn't it? Wow, I just, I, just, I just wish I could have that kind of faith. And Jesus said this way, we should have childlike faith or trust. And ch- children just trust, right? And so we look at these folks as adults and we, and we say it's not childlike, it's childish. And, you know, why don't they wake up and see things like it really is? So we talked about again last week, the thing that broke the relationship between God and man was man's refusal to trust God. Now, if you believe in that Adam and Eve story or not, it doesn't matter. This is anybody's history. But most of us around here tend to believe it. So God put him in the garden and said, hey, you can do about anything you want except for eating from this one tree. And, and we think the problem was they disobeyed God. But the real problem, really the problem was they didn't trust God. If they trusted God, they would have listened, right? <laughs> okay, God knows what's best. We shouldn't eat that tree. But they thought, I, can, I don't know if I can trust God. He's trying to keep something from us. Some, our lives would be better if we ate from this tree. And so they ate the fruit. So the problem was, broke the relationship, was a refusal to trust God. So all of history since then has been God trying to reestablish a relationship with man. And it gets reestablished, again, by an act of trust. Initially, when you step across that line and become a Jesus follower, believe that, you know, Jesus lit the Son of God. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, suffered and died, and then three days later came back to life, conquered death. And if I put my faith or trust in him, and my sins are forgiven. I have a relationship with him that goes on for, forever. I get, when I die, I get to go to heaven. So that relationship is reestablished through the act of trust and continues through an act of trust. All relationships continue by trust, right? If I, I get to a place where I can't trust my wife anymore, the relationship's over and vice versa. And as our relationship has grown over the years, our trust level has grown. <clears throat> So the whole Old Testament is about God trying to get the Israelites to uh, trust him <laughs> and trust what he said. And then we get to the New Testament. It's kind of like, okay, this is for everyone, non-Jews, Gentiles, people like most of us. God wants us to trust him. And so when we look at people's lives, and, and we're calling this a big faith, and we look at people with big faith, and they tell their story. We said there was basically five major areas that grows people's faith, that blow up their faith, and things that God uses to, to help us trust Him. And so today we're going to talk about practical biblical teaching. Uh, next week we're going to talk about providential relationships. When people tell their story, there's always, hey, I met this person, or I met that person, and we kind of connected, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that's a biggie in growing faith. Uh, private disciplines, that's things you and I can do, prayer, Bible study, uh, fasting, giving, etc. These are things we can discipline ourselves to do that God will use to grow our faith. Uh, personal ministry, I think is really biggie. This is like, hey, uh, we need somebody to, to teach little kids. Oh, that's kind of scary, but you try it anyway. Or a missions trip, Huge. I said this in the first service. I'll give you a 100% money-back guarantee if you go on a mission trip, your faith will grow. Now, if you want your faith to grow or not, that's, that's up to you. But if you want your faith to grow, go on a mission trip. 
If you can't go for the whole stretch of time, big, the big events on Saturday, if you can be there for Saturday, it'll grow your faith. So we'll talk about that. And then pivotal circumstances. Now, sometimes these are bad things that happen to us. You know, somebody dies, you lose your job, a health crisis or something. Sometimes there's good things. Babies being born. We have a bunch of those in the past year. Uh, I think eight or so in this congregation. Uh, that's a big event. And that impacts our faith. So that's, that's where we're going over the next uh, four weeks. <clears throat> now, these aren't anywhere listed in the Bible. I can't say, hey, turn to this, this page in your Bible. and These are the five things God's going to use to grow your faith. It's not an all-inclusive group. This is kind of, a, a, kind of a, the pillars, the biggies. Uh, and we're going to talk about these. Some of these will have more of an impact on you than others. And others will have more impact on other folks. But this is where we're going. See, God wants us to do, not just to know. God wants us to do, not just to know. And one of the problems I see in the church, and it's easy to creep in our church or any church, is this attitude, just cover the material. Now, I get up here and just teach you some stuff, cover the material, tell you the story, give you three points or whatever, then our job is done. And the teachers and our ministries and different areas of the church, students, etc. Yeah, just cover the material and, our, and we did, that's it. That's the goal. The problem is, that's not the way Jesus taught. That's not the way Paul taught. That's not what we see in the Bible. See, Jesus taught <laughs> for application. Jesus taught, in fact, we talked about this a couple times in the last few weeks. At the beginning of his ministry, and Matthew records it, and Luke records it, Matthew in chapters 5, 6, and 7, he does this big teaching we call the Sermon on the Mount, or teaching on the Mount. He sat on a hill and did this teaching to the crowd. And um, this teaching was about application. You might say it this way. Knowing things doesn't make a difference. Doing things make the difference. So in this sermon or this teaching, Jesus said things like, when a Roman soldier tells you to carry his pack for a mile, you say, hey, can I carry it for two miles? Of course, the crowd's thinking, he's crazy. We don't want to carry it one mile. And if somebody asks, you know, it's cold, you give him your coat. Uh, worrying, you don't need to worry. God's got it. Takes care of the birds, takes care of the flowers. No need to worry. Judging, don't do that. You all have your issues. Work on your issues, but then help people with their is- other people with their issues. You want to learn how to pray? Here, here's how to pray. And some of you know that model prayer Jesus taught. So he's teaching for application. He talked about being generous and giving, and we, you say, how much? And Jesus said, well, just give as much as you can. So the way I summarize the Sermon on the Mount is this. It was a bunch of stuff to do, not a stuff, bunch of stuff to learn. In fact, Jesus said stuff like, you know, adultery is more than just, you know, committing adultery. It's having lustful thoughts. And murder is more than just killing somebody. It's hating somebody. So he said, these are things to do or or not to do. Now, this has nothing to do with getting into heaven. This has nothing to do with establishing a relationship with God. This is not something you do to make God like you or God love you. These are things that once you establish a relationship with God, you have a faith journey, uh, whether you're at the beginning, the middle, or the end, that God uses to grow your faith, to give you 
you and I big faith. So at the end of this teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at Jesus, how he finished it up. All right? The last thing he, last way he said it, he kind of draw, drew it all to a conclusion. So that's in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Therefore, after all these things I've said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, you are blessed. It is great, right? Is that what he said? Just great that you heard it. No, he didn't stop there. He said, and. So it's good that you've heard it, but that's not enough. And puts it them into, what's the word? Practice. Say it again. What's the word? Practice. Right? Put it into practice. Do it. If you hear it and do it, then what does he say? You're a wise man. You're You're smart. And you're like a person that builds his house on a rock. Now, part of the problem we have in American church is this. We tend to rate our spirituality on our consistency of our attendance. So, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing really well. I've been to church three times this month. How many Sundays we were? We're four Sundays in. So three out of four Sundays, I've been in church. So I'm doing good. I'm really spiritual. And my life should be good. The problem is, if your life isn't good, you think, wait a minute, wait a minute, God. I've been in church three times this week, month. My life should be better than this. Flip side is this. Ah, first time I've been in church this whole month. In fact, if my life's not going good, I think, I better go to church. Maybe that's why some of you are here today. If life's not so good, got to get to church, because that's what makes me spiritual. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's good to be here. In fact, that's one way you hear. But what you need to do is to do it. And I'm going to use this kind of funny phrase this morning. I to do it. All right? I didn't just heard it. I to do it. All right? Whether it's some ethical area of your life <clears throat> that Jesus teaches. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't just hear it. I to do it. Uh, but to love my wife like Christ said to church. Uh, I didn't just hear it, I to do it. You know, I'm not supposed to frustrate my kids. I didn't just hear it, I to do it. All right, I'm supposed to be generous and all those other things that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't just hear it, I to do it. Another way of saying is this. Obedience is an act of faith or an act of trust or an act of confidence. So I heard it. If I trust, in this case, Jesus, the person who said it, then I will do it. I will obey. So it's one thing to believe, but it doesn't do any good until you apply it. Now, the fascinating thing is we understand this in all other areas of life. For example, nutrition. I want to be healthier. So I get some books, I read some books, I watch some videos, I, I read some blogs. I may even get, uh, uh, go take a class or I might uh, sit down and talk to a nutritionist. I can do all that. And somebody might consider me a nutritionist expert, but if I eat at McDonald's three times a week or three times a day, am I going to have good nutrition? Probably not. Exercise, same deal. You take a class, read a book, read books, get magazines, uh, join a gym, have a session with a trainer. <laughs> but if I don't do it, is my body any more healthy? Any area of life, 
I know how to fix my car. I probably don't. But if you know how to fix your car, it's not fixed until you do it. If, I, you know, I could fix a leaky roof. I need to have a leaky roof, by the way. I need to fix. But uh, if I have a leaky roof and know how to fix it until I, to do it, it doesn't do, I still have a leaky, leaky roof, right? So we understand this in all other areas of life. But it comes to, to Christianity, religion. We think, all I got to do is listen. All I got to do is know. All I got to do is hear it. And I'm automatically spiritual. Jesus said, no, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way in any other area of life. It doesn't work that way in your spiritual life. So when I get up here and talk, my goal isn't to inspire you to, as one pastor says, have a quiver in your liver to feel all kind of, woo, excited. My goal is to inspire you, like Jesus did, to, to do it. So it's not about attendance. Now, you know, I like to have people to talk to. It's kind of, be kind of strange the place was empty. <laughs> so I'm glad you're here to listen. But that's not going to do you any good unless you do something. You know, you, I think I went to school for nine years without missing a day. And so they gave me a little star for all the days you don't miss. <laughs> people used to go to church for years without missing a day. Kind of not our culture anymore. The gold star is doesn't do any good unless you do what you hear. So again, it's obedience that makes the difference. It's the to-dos that, <laughs> that make a difference. And here's why. And Jesus tells us why. So if you're wise, you build a house on, your rock, on the rock because the rain came and the stream rose and the wind blew and beat against the house. The storms always come. Life's tough, right? Problems come. Difficulties come. Relationship problems. Other kind of problems. They're going to come. They're inevitable. So if you're wise, what are you going to do? You're going to build your house on the rock so then it did not fall. You don't fall apart. You don't collapse. Your life doesn't fall apart because its foundation is on the rock. So it's not about info. Even though you need the info, it's about doing it. One pastor said it this way, I don't want you to come and sit and soak it in and then sour. Because that's what happens if you don't do something with it. Then Jesus tells us, teaches us the flip side. There's always the flip side, right? The, the alternative, the other option. But everyone who hears these words, so he's talking to the whole crowd. Some of them heard it. They all heard it. Some of them are going to do it. Some of them aren't going to do it. So if you're not going to do it, You do not put these into practice. You are like a foolish man or you're foolish, right? Learn about nutrition and not do it, you're foolish. Learn about exercise and not do it, you're foolish. You know, you learn about something in relationships and learn about something financial and don't do it, you're foolish. Man built his house on the sand. You can... Here, you can come every Sunday, 100% attendance. You can retain 100% of what I say. You can read your Bible, retain 100% what you read. And if you don't put it into practice, you are foolish. Why are you foolish? He explains that too. Because the rain is going to come. The storm is going to come. And the wind's going to blow and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. 
life fell apart when the storm came. And that's how he ended his Sermon on the Mount. And when he had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority, but he taught as one that taught for application, not as teachers of the law. What did they teach? They said, just memorize this stuff. You know, do the ritual stuff, memorize this stuff, and you're connected to God. And if he said last week, the folks that knew the most <laughs> were the most ups, uh, upset with Jesus and, and the most disconnected from Jesus. So if you want there to be a difference, if you want your faith to grow, you can't just listen. I'll give you a short video clip to illustrate it. to jump. Jump? Are you insane? Don't worry, I will catch you. You gave us back. I know, I know, and it is the worst mistake I ever made. But you have to jump now. It'll be okay. Uh. Okay, girls. you and I will never let you go again not so fast no let me go Just like the little uh, girl said, are you crazy? And so when we read God's word sometimes or hear somebody up here talking, uh, like he said, walk one mile, offer to carry it two miles. Are you crazy? That's sometimes our reaction, isn't it? That clip's titled Leap of Faith, by the way. So it boils down, do you trust what they say? What God says, Jesus says, what the Bible says. Do you trust it? So, Here's what it looks like. I'm going to give you an illustration from our life, my wife and I. <clears throat> We've been married almost 40 years. Um, back about, uh, well, a couple years after I became pastor of this church, so 20 couple years ago. Uh, well, let me back up a little bit. <clears throat> There's a radio program called Larry Burkett talked about financial issues on the radio. The Bible has a lot to say about money. And we listened to that. Well, we had a man in our church who was a trained counselor for Larry Burkett, uh, Jerry Dara. And so he said, I'm going to teach, offer this class to, to the congregation. And I th if I remember correct, I think it was just the Hoovers, the Joneses, and Dev and I in that class. And uh, we're the only ones left from the, that, that 
congregation at that time anyway. So we take this class, talking about budgeting and lots of other things, and it changed our life because my wife and I, first argument was about, guess what? And the next argument, and most of the arguments from there on, <laughs> were about money. And that's, experts tell us that most of your arguments can be about money. Um, but uh, after this, very little arguments. And then, uh, since, I've been, since we've been in this building, we've taught, the, I've participated in financial peace class uh, three times. I'm just slow. Maybe you guys only need to hear it once, but I've had to hear it four, three or four times. Uh, because it's so much in there, and it's so important. And so we've lived on a budget. Now, we always did the tithing thing. That, that wasn't a problem. But we can be more generous now. We have no consumer debt. We, we have our mortgages, but no consumer debt. Uh, haven't bought a new car since 1980. <laughs> uh, our cars are all like 10 years old. But we have complete financial peace. And we have money in the bank. If some financial crisis comes up, we can pay for it. If we had to, we could sell our houses and come out ahead. Financial peace. Now, because I'm smarter than you, no. Because we've made more money than you, probably not. But we just figured out what this book had to say about it. And we're, I guess, smart enough to actually do it. Because it says one thing in here, the uh, debtor is slave to the lender. Anybody want to be a slave? I want to be a slave. You never regret when you do what this book says, Jesus says. By the way, we are going to teach financial peace uh, after the 4th of July again. So if you haven't taken it, absolutely sign up for it. Even if you've taken it, like I said, maybe you're smarter than me, but it doesn't hurt to do it two or three times. So we'll be telling you more about that in a little bit. All right. So as a church, one of our goals is, or our goal is, whether I'm teaching or students teaching, whatever, is this. Was it helpful? Now, hopefully it was entertaining, uh, uh, inspirational, uh, educational, whatever. But the bottom line, was it helpful? Was it helpful in my, with my finances? Was it helpful with my relationships? Was it helpful with life? That's our goal. If we didn't accomplish that, we, we consider ourselves a failure. Not just in here, but in all our classes and all that we do, in our small groups, whatever it might be. Because again, it's obedience that makes the difference. Now, <clears throat> our church may be a little bit different from churches you're used to. Uh, it might be a little louder, <laughs> a little uh, crazier, whatever. And part of that, our goal is not that you have a peaceful, easy feeling. Because sometimes that equates to boring, <laughs> right? And that's not our goal. In fact, sometimes what we say and what we do is going to be disturbing. It's going to upset you. By the way, do we get credit for being boring? I don't think so. Being helpful. In fact, we're going to read here something real quick, and we'll be down here in a few minutes. Uh, sometimes when Jesus taught, the people weren't all excited like he did in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me just read, read this to you really quickly. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were... Furious. 
jumping up and down, so to speak. And they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill which the town was built. And they intended to push him over the cliff. They, he had made them so mad they wanted to kill him. Of course, eventually they did, didn't they? And so our goal, my goal, is not necessary to give you a peaceful feeling. In fact, you may get mad at me. Uh, you may feel guilty. You may feel ashamed. And by the way, they're not all very bad things. Parents, when your kids want to do, do something wrong, do you want them to feel guilty? Do you want them to feel ashamed? Sure you do. Hopefully it'll change. So sometimes, hopefully I'm going to say some things that make you so mad you're going to go home and actually read this thing. I'm going to prove that pastor wrong. Hey, bring it on. I welcome it. All right? If I get you to read this book, I consider that a big, big win. Paul, by the way, wrote a lot of the New Testament he records in there a couple times a letter he wrote, hey, you know, I've been kind of following Jesus, obeying Jesus, been teaching this stuff, and I've been stoned a few times. <laughs> I've been beaten up more times than I can count. I've been shipwrecked. He goes on and on and on and on. So it's not all about a peaceful, easy feeling, but it's about obedience. Obedience is an intersection of your faith with God's faithfulness. And another pastor uh, said this, but I really like this. I think this will help, help us all understand this. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. doesn't do anybody any good. The value of the paint is in the application. We all understand that, right? So our goal around here, our environments, is with that intent. We bring you the paint, we open the can, we stir, and we hand you a brush. We do as much as you can, and hopefully you do the painting. So where are you building your house? On the rock? We're on the sand. And this is not, you know, doomsday. It's just reality. The storms are always going to come. We hope you're ready. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you that your word, the Bible, what Jesus said, taught, all that, it was not just information. But it was for application. Because that's where the good comes. And God, I don't know these folks, but you know all them. And some of them are in the midst of the storm right now. And maybe the, the house is beginning to fall, the, the marriage house, the financial house, because it wasn't built on the rock. God, give them your hope that it's not too late. You can make changes. You can begin to build that house on the rock. Be wise. And if anyone here is, is not a step across that line, is not reestablished, that relationship with God, please take a minute right now and just, hey, that's a wise thing to do. I'd like to do that. And say, yes, I want to begin to trust. And we want to pray for you. We want to help you. Please let us know about that decision on your response card or talk to someone, please. God, we're thankful that your word is practical. It's applicable. It makes our lives better. It makes our relationships better. God, thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.